0: Welcome, welcome, everyone, to today's Winning Women Network Spotlight interview. I'm excited to be here with you. This is Keely Raven, and we're going to be chatting with our very own Coach Kathy. Before we get that started, I just want to give you guys a reminder um, in the group. We are looking for our next book club book, so if you would go ahead and cast your vote on the post that's in the group by p.m. Pacific tonight, then I'll go ahead and announce the next book tomorrow, and I'll be excited to have another fantastic discussion with anyone who's interested. So today, our special guest is Kathy McCoy, who you probably already know is affectionately known as Coach Kathy. She's an ordained minister and certified life coach with a vision to see women and girls live in the fierceness of truth and freedom in every area of their life. Coach Kathy's passionate mission is to write stories, speak messages, and teach principles that empower women and girls to live in the fierceness of truth and freedom. When God's private message, It's Time to Deal with Your Insecurities, became public during an altar call at a women's retreat, Kathy stopped hiding from the truth of her own struggle with jealousy and envy that secretly led to depression and pain, nursing, addictions. Kathy intentionally engaged personal work through counseling, coaching, reading, and writing that has helped her claim and embrace her fierceness within. She is now committed to teaching the powerful principles and beliefs that helped her find her own fierceness of self-love, truth, and confidence through coaching, leading workshops, speaking at retreats, and publishing writings that boldly address issues that block women and girls from their own freedom. Welcome, Coach Kathy. Hey, how you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to to interview you. I know that we've had the privilege of hearing you and, you know, getting excited with you on Thursday calls (laughs) where you're an absolute powerhouse. So I would like to just ask you, I, I recognize there's some people here that may not be as familiar with you. We may have some new folks. So would you please just tell us, give us a little bit of background about Coach Kathy, who you are and how you came to be who you are.
1: Okay. Well, I am, um, first and foremost, I am a wife. I love to say that I'm a wife and a grandmother. I was a mother to a 19-year-old son who was murdered uh, four years ago this year. Um, I am also, as you know, an ordained minister. I love God. I love to preach the word of God. That's why I think I'm so powerful when I speak because the Holy Ghost speaks for me. Um, I am uh, excited about, and my passion is about helping women leave, live, excuse me, free, whole lives, free from anything that is keeping them from soaring to the highest heights. Too many times I see women just putting around, just uh, really um, coasting on tarmac of life instead of getting up in the air and soaring as they were created to be. My story is, I was jealous of women. I was. Intimidated by women. I didn't love myself. I didn't know the power that I had within me. And so I used to, um, conform to fit in and I used to try to fit in a box that was not meant to me, uh, to be for me. And so when I got fronted out by the people of God that said, you got to deal with all this jealousy and envy. Well, guess what I did? I dealt with it. And because of that, I am fiercely free today and I help women and girls break free from the same stuff so that they can be free as well.
0: That is awesome. Quite quite a journey you've been on. I'm yeah, you know, as I was <laughs> as I was I was delivering your intro um I noticed the word fierce and fierceness come up quite a bit. So what, uh-huh. to you what is the what is fiercely free as a as a phrase mean to you?
1: Wow. So fierce freedom, for one, is, is fierce in itself that what most people, when you walk in your freedom, they will see it as rebellion. And so what makes it so fierce is that you have to unapologetically be free in the middle of opposition from your family and from your friends who think that you are rejecting them, who think that you, are be- you think that you're better than them. And so in order to walk in that fierceness, it means I have to not care what you think about me. I have to do the work that I'm called to do without trying to please you. And I have to be free at all costs if it means that I have to lose to win. And so just me going over the, the loss of my son, uh, just having to relive that a couple of days ago, what I've learned in life is there are necessary losses. So the fierceness of freedom says you
0: may have to
1: lose to win, and guess what? I'm going to be free anyway.
0: Wow. I like that, necessary losses. So how do you define, then, a necessary loss? Wow, so
1: woo girl, a necessary loss <laughs> isn't that something and a necess- and i even oh, this is from healing though, I even see that my son was a necessary loss for me to live because I say often that my son's death saved my life. So if I say that, then that means that he, his loss has to be necessary in order for me to be who I am today. Now, that's some deep stuff, but that takes some healing to get there. But necessary losses are anything that, that one, you know you have to lose it, it's, it's keeping you from serving a higher purpose. So whatever in your life where you are conforming to fit in, where you're trying to fit in a box, where you don't get to express who you really are, who you're just taking on a mask, and a costume and performing all day, whatever has you doing that, that is a necessary loss. You've got to break free from that so that you can be who God created you to be. So that's a necessary loss. A necessary loss even in, in the jobs that I left. So when I say loss, I don't mean you got fired. I don't mean that it has to die. You have to walk away from it. You know, like on that um Angela Bassett on Waiting to Exhale, when she – Um, burned up his stuff and then she walked away with that. That, That's what a necessary loss looks like. You have to walk away and say, what did you do? You know, you walk away with, I'm out of here, but When you look back, you have to look back and say, okay, if all things are working for my good, let me go back there for a moment to see how did this work out for my good? What am I learning from this? What can I get from this to go on to my next journey and my next season? So that's what I call a necessary loss. It's necessary for your growth. It's necessary for your rising. It's necessary for you to blossom into who God created you to be. That makes it necessary.
0: Wow. Okay, that, that, I still have Angela Bassett actually in my head. <laughs> good, good girl. You put the, the image right there. Back and, and
1: yeah, yeah, get that, get that image.
0: <laughs> wow, okay. So in, in what you do with people right now as a coach, are you helping, like, I feel like, like I have a question that's coming out, but I feel like there are many people that may not Grasp onto the concept of necessary loss as, as readily as you were able to deliver what it is. Um, right. And you mentioned yourself that it took a lot of work for you to get mm-hmm. to that understanding. So. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, cause that, it's hard. <laughs> like when you, when you've lost something, like you might feel like, you know, you might not be in the Angela's assets position where you have just given it away and like, forget it, I'm done. But. You know mm-hmm. something. You know, even you mentioned the the loss of your son was something that you said it saved your life. Can you explain how that is?
1: How that my son's death saved my life?
0: Mhm.
1: Mm, yes. So, because before my son's death, well, you know, in my in raising my son, um, I. And have learned because I just got finished writing the book about it is that I had created um in my mind my son as the perfect man for me because I lacked self love self love and so i when I raised my son, he was the the rescue for me he was the one that was going to love me he was the one that wasn't going to leave me that was from a broken place, so I parented from a broke A broke place, a deficit of love, and made me create this monster in my son who then used women for love because that's what I did to him. And so in his death, I had to say, oh, my God, you saved me because it was in his death that I finally said, something ain't right with me because I have to do that work, what I mean I call it well work. I have to go down deep in the well and understand what was contaminated my water, right? What was people drinking that I was it was contaminated that was coming from me and it was coming from the low place that I was not loved. That I wasn't lovable and that I have to work for love. And so when my son son died, I stopped pretending because life was over for me as I knew it in order for me to live again and God kept saying to me you have to live through this live through this this not. This will not take you out so I had to say what does it mean that it won't take me out what do you mean and so in that I had to do that work girl of finding out what love meant that I was loved even as a child I had to go back to that little girl and tell her she was loved and that she's lovable and that she's deserving of true love. So it saved me because I stopped chasing love. I stopped working for love. Even with God, I would work for his love. I was working for my husband's love. I was working. I thought that I had to have titles and positions to be loved. So that's why my my, my freedom is so fierce because where I was bound was everywhere in my life, from the top to the bottom, from my head space to my heart space. So I have to get real down and dirty and allow God to show me who I really was, to tell me who I really was deep in that deep place so that I can show up powerfully like I am today not working for love and, not, and, and knowing that if I did not do one more thing today that I'm still loved. So in my son's death, he gave me the permission to let him go to let him go. My mom says it all the time. Your son freed you when he left. He freed me from that bondage of working for someone's love, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it until his death because I was so broken. I had no choice but to go within.
0: Wow. You have had some, (laughs) oh, my goodness, some really incredible insights that you've come to, and to be able to speak about that, from this position, you know, you mentioned that that you lost him 4 years ago. That is that is incredible. And mm. uh-huh. and I'm sure that there are other people with, you know, my heart goes out to you for having lost your son. That's something that that is unimaginable to me. Yeah, um, thank you. Absolutely. Um but then when like what you just said was so incredibly um articulated. That, you know, I, I, I get it. Like, <laughs> I think that mm-hmm. other, I think that what you just said really, really is powerful and can help other people then take the term necessary loss and reflect and apply that, you know, in their own lives. Um, may not yeah. be the exact same thing, but to be able to take the concept of what you just said the way that you described it. Is that what you do? Like in your work with people, do you, um, is there a method that you go through to help them figure out what their, what losses in their lives are necessary?
1: Yes. And so one thing that I do, uh, I call it well work, um, and that's the, the idea that what's in the water comes from the well. And so mm-hmm. I have them kind of really look at a well and say, what is way deep down in there that you don't even see um, unconsciously and unintentionally you have been your water has been contaminated by some stuff, and you don't even see it because it 's so way 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 down there, but I can see it bubbling up if I taste your water, meaning if I speak to you, if I talk to you, I can hear it I can hear what's down up in that well and so I do work for uh, women, especially through vis- visualization of let's go down in the well what's down there when you were a child what has what, what is the residue that was left from your upbringing from your losses and take them back to a journey because Y'all hear me say this, when you are in that pit place, you better come out with some stuff. Don't be in the pit in the wilderness for nothing. You aren't there just to be sitting and crying and being sad. You're there to get some stuff. And so we got to go back to the pit. And oftentimes I take them back to that well, that pit that, that's down there, and have them right out. What And I will say to you on the call today, write out all the places you left, All the, even if you left voluntarily. Write down, what did I learn from this place? What did it teach me? That's when all things that are working together for the good, that's when we make that scripture come alive. When we go back and say, how can this work for my good? So I hated this place. What did I get from it? Because oftentimes we leave places, but we don't understand that. Everything is necessary on this journey, everything. And so, yes, it might have been miserable, but it taught you adversity. It taught you how to lead through adversity. It taught you how to be resilient. It taught you how to see through lies in people. Come on now. Be honest about what those places taught you. And when you can do that, you can understand that that loss was necessary because what you gained from that loss was way more than what you were getting while you were there.
0: Wow. Um,
1: That's what I do. And I'm this fierce girl with them people. I have time. I you. believe it. Listen, I do not have time because when you understand that your time on earth, when you lose a child who's 19, you understand that tomorrow is not promised. So I am unapologetic about my boldness and saying, girl, get your stuff now and let's go, right? We don't have time. Mm-hmm. We waiting. We, we, we delaying. We're delaying the promise of God because we're stuck um, avoiding a process. Go through the process. And I help women go through that process so they can get to their
0: promise. Okay. You know what? Unapologetic is probably the best adjective for you right now. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. It's just, I hear it.
0: Yeah, you're like, you know, here's how it is. Yeah, I don't have time for for anything else. let just – get to so, the truth and keep it moving because, you know, ain't got right. time. But. Right, right. That's, that's why
1: you have to be at a certain readiness to work with me because if not, you will you will shrink, you know, because you could – I do understand. Believe me, I understand. I'm so compassionate. Those who work with me know the love I have for them, but I'm fierce when it comes to doing the work. We got to do it because oftentimes we're skipping the work and we're contaminating people because we're leading. Now, it doesn't exempt us from being powerfully Blessed and gifted, right? So we have these platforms, we have clients, we have children, and we're not doing the well work. And so, guess what? People are drinking from our water, and they're getting contaminated. So that's why I don't. I got contaminated. I was contaminating. So now I'm on a mission to say we gotta clean up this stuff so we don't contaminate. Because women, come on, free women will free this world. So I need
0: women to be free, so the yes. world can be free. Yes. Yes. All right. I love that. I love that. And now I understand. I'm glad I asked the question about fierceness. I It's there. <laughs> I it. Yes. I see it's very clear. <laughs> um, so, Kathy, um, what, I, I guess it's a two-parter. What call, oh, no, that's not the question. Um, when did you realize you were called to be a minister?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Early on in my life, so I went to church as a young girl, my twin sister and I, uh, went to church at the age of nine by ourselves. So we walked up to a church, joined a church at nine, got baptized all by ourselves, and we were the ridicule of the church, believe it or not, because we were these two little nappy-headed black girls with no parents coming to church. Didn't nobody understand, where's your parents in those days, you know? They didn't understand where our parents were, so I had a a yearning for God at a very young age. I didn't grow up in a um, spiritual um, home. My mom was Catholic and was not a good Catholic, um, and so we we just had a I felt a calling on my life at a young age. Top Bible study at the age nine. Um, really loved God when I was in high school. Would be trying to evangelize to people with half scriptures, they didn't know it all, but still had a yearning and a desire to do so. Then I left church at the age of eighteen because I got grown and I didn't want to deal with the people anymore. You know, because I got grown. So I was like, no, you can't talk about me no more. But anyway, I uh, <laughs> I left church and I didn't go back to church until I was thirty-four. And almost instantly, when I went back to church, I knew God was going. This was it. I knew He was going to call me. And so the the calling came to me, um, and he simply said to me, how long are you going to let your circumstances keep you from me? Because I had every excuse why I couldn't do the work of God, because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't um, smart enough. I wasn't, you know, um, articulate enough. I didn't know how to read the scriptures. I didn't know the scriptures. You know, but God said, when will you just say yes? And I was, there. I was on a metro bus going to work, and the voice of God was so tough all my life I finally at that bus screamed out yes girl on a bus wow I said, yes wow. that was in 2005 I said yes God I'm tired of running and from there I've been you know preaching and teaching um, and serving in some capacity ever since
0: wow okay that's amazing on the yeah. bus out loud
1: uh-huh. on the bus honey. <laughs> out loud
0: out, that's how deep it. it was for me mm-hmm. so what If you were to look at yourself when you were in that jealous place, when you were intimidated mm. by other women and you didn't love yourself, mm-hmm. if you were to go back and talk to her right now, what would you say? Ooh,
1: the first thing I would say to her was that, that you're loved. I would say, honey, you are so loved. You're lovable. You're deserving of love. You don't have to work for love that there's nothing you have to do to earn God's love. He loves you just the way you are. Because that's my bro that was my broken place was all around love. As a child, I I grew up without my parent both parents in the house, my mom wasn't always around, and I thought it was because of me. I thought I had done something that I was so unlovable that they didn't want to be around me and so I began to cook and clean and pay bills at a young age and you know do everything right in school and be the perfect girl but they it didn't bring them home and so I was left with i couldn't earn i was too I was too bad you know that for them, and it was my fault that they divorced. Um, And so I had to heal that. So I would say to that little girl, because I I mean, it wasn't until in my 30s where I really got clear that I was loved, you know, even though I was married. I still just thought I had to have sex to be loved. I mean, all the different things I did thinking I was earning love. And so I think it's so important, that's what I teach young girls now, that first we have to teach them that they're loved because everything else will birth every other, you know, uh, limiting belief and mindset will come from I am not loved. I am not lovable. And so that's what I would tell her. Baby, you loved, okay?
0: <laughs> wow. Um Okay, I have another another question that's come out of what you just said. Um you mentioned that you were married sort of when you went through the transition, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. so how has your husband reacted to I guess the transition of former Kathy to present Kathy.
1: <laughs> let me tell you, girl, because you know I'm all about the realness and being authentic. So we're going to be celebrating 18 years of marriage this year, and we've been together Ooh, for 21 years. Thank you. So, girl, let me tell you, I was I was single with a ring for 10 years of my marriage. And so <laughs> I was the kind of woman that was, like, telling my husband, uh, you can pack up your little bag and leave. You know what I mean? And, and this was my son. It wasn't my husband's son. I was like, you're out. My son, my husband dealt with so much stuff between me and my son. He is a gift from God because any other man would have walked out and left. So I have to give him all the credit for staying in there. What he loves about me now, because, girl, I told you I was single with a ring, but now I honor my husband, right? So, look, I might be this fierce thing, at you know, when I work with my clients, but when I'm at home with my man, oh, he is the king, and I treat him as such. And that, that changed when I changed. When I began knowing who I was, it was easy for me to submit. It was easy for me to love on him and allow him to be the head of the house. Because before then, I was running everything. Before then, you know, he was just, you know, there. But I began to understand and see him as a gift. And so even now I love on my husband. When I come when he comes home he has food ready. I'm I'm giving him pedicures. I am treating him <laughs> like the king that he is because he has to deal with all my raggedy stuff, girl. All my stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: stuff. Oh my goodness. <laughs> really? Well, you bring that brings up um a topic that, um, I'd like to, to mention a little bit right now. So so you have all this fierceness and you are unapologetically, Kathy. How do you reconcile that with um I guess portraying feminine energy? Like some people might oh. see fierceness as not so feminine, but right. how do you how do you reconcile the two?
1: I, how, I, how I reconcile the two, one is that I understand, um, I think in the masculine place that I can be in is, is, is believing that everyone needs to walk in the fierceness of their truth and freedom and trying to push myself upon them and make it so. And I think that's a masculine way sometimes is this is just how it has to be. Where I come in from the feminine places, one, I'm a nurturer by heart and I'm an encourager by heart so while i 'm fierce i 'm still very compassionate and loving and giving, and i 'm a servant and so what I do what 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 makes my fierce freedom feminine is that i 'm a servant and that and that I am serving you, I have mentees right now who aren't ready at the level of my coaching, but they still need help, and I have said, let me walk alongside you without payment, okay? I've cleaned people's houses, um, of my clients, of my mentees. I've helped them unclutter without requiring them to pay me. By just standing alongside them and not seeing it about the money, I think that's what helps me stay effeminate is that I'm a, I am serve well, and I love hard and um, I and being this, uh, I walk in my power as a woman, and that's feminine, right? Because I think when we see, yeah. um, um, when we when we understand that I can change the atmosphere, women do that. You know, women can change the atmosphere by just lighting the incense and hanging up a scarf, right? We can let people know that a woman is up in this house. And so when you come into my house, one, you know a woman lives there. And so I'm not trying to look like a man, act like a man. I'm really in full womanhood, and I teach. Um, and there's some people on this call that can tell you that I teach how to be feminine, especially when it comes to letting your man be the head and you be the lead in your house and in your marriage. And when you can do that, then you're modeling what it looks like to be feminine. And that's what I do. I think I model it for people because they see all my fierceness and they could imagine I'm at home running things, but when they come into my house they see something different. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. right. And I'm teaching something different too, you know?
0: Mhm. Okay. That is fantastic. I think that's um you've mentioned that people aren't necessarily ready for you. Um and I think that that's a good thing to know, like for you to know they're not ready, and then for them right, to right. take you at your word, yes. Yes. they're not yet ready. So so then you're walking alongside people, and eventually I would imagine then what you're doing is helping them get ready for, for what you have for them.
1: Right, right, helping them get ready. Because what I understand is that if you have low self-esteem or a low self-worth, someone like Kathy comes along you're gonna take everything I say personally, right? You're gonna think it means that I'm saying you're not good enough and you're bad. That's not what I'm saying. So it takes a level of 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 raising some self-esteem, and so that you could mm-hmm. take. I'm not talking about you. I'm trying to help you. I love you, right? And I'm trying to bring out your best. But if you're in a broken place, sometimes my message could be feel abrasive to you because you're not because you're feeling like Kathy's attacking you when Kathy's really loving on you and trying to bring out really your gifts and talents so that you can then be who you are on the earth.
0: That sounds like it comes from a nurturer right there.
1: Yes, right.
0: Right. <laughs> like you said, you're in mm-hmm. it. Well, Kathy. I am. I want to ask you a question that I think, you know, this this is me stepping into my Oprah shoes. I think that okay. she asks it. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in your life, what do you know for sure? Mm.
1: What um, I know for sure is that pain is my greatest teacher. And I've had lots of pain in my life and I know for sure that pain is my greatest teacher and I have allowed pain to teach me some tough lessons about myself, but also uncover the beauty of who I am and how resilient I am and how strong I am and know that God has something greater than any pain that I have felt in my body. And so. I would say what I know for sure is pain is your greatest teacher. Don't run from it. Run to it and get your lesson so that you can be a blessing
0: upon this earth. Amazing. Okay. You mentioned that, I mean, we know that you are a coach, and you mentioned that you, did you say you just finished your book or you're working on it?
1: I did. I just just gave it to the publisher on Monday.
0: Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. So how do we get it? and and how do people connect with you more?
1: Sure. So um, you can connect with me at CoachKathy.com. Um, on all social media platforms, I'm at CoachKathy. Um, and my book is called uh, Two Mothers Raising Sons, How to Love Them to Life and Not to Death. And so if you are a mother of a son, particularly a black son, or if you know somebody who's raising a son, Oh, you've got to get my book. It's going to be released at my Save Our Sons Summit that I'm doing here in Seattle on May 6th, and so right now you can't get it, but I will, um, if you go to, if you just keep looking at uh, Facebook, follow me there, and then following me uh, through CoachKathy.com, you'll be able to see the link and everything when it's ready to purchase the book. I'm excited about that work that I'm going to do in the world to Save Our Sons.
0: Wow. I'm excited about it, too. I can't wait to see it. When it comes out, yes. and you have all the people <laughs> people reading it and, and following right. your guidance. Well, right. So, thank you. Kathy, I've had an amazing time with you here today. So <laughs> me thank too. you very good. much. Oh, good. You're good. welcome. And I want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything else that you would like our Winning Women Network to know?
1: Um, what I would like to say in closing is what's so important to me, women who are on this call, you are a leader, and as a leader, too much is given, too much is required. It is required that you do that inner work, that well work, so that you can get all the residue of hurt and pain that is causing your water to be contaminated. How do people drink of your water when you talk to them, when you are up speaking, when you're on one-on-one with your clients, when you're servicing them? They can feel your water. They get penetrated by your water. You want your water to be healthy. You want your water to give life and not death. You want your water to heal and not hurt. So please, ladies, do your inner work so that your influence is greater and that you are blazing trails for those behind you and you're not burning them. That's what I would say
0: to you. Well, thank you very much, Coach Kathy. We will definitely connect with you at CoachKathy.com and we look forward to you from you on our next Zoom Network call with you. (laughs) You're very welcome. Have an amazing day. You too. All right. Thanks, Kathy.